listeners, welcome to Back of the Girls Pod. My name is Gemma Hallett and I'm here with two of the most fancy feet players I've ever had the opportunity to play with. Meet Laurie Harris. Hello. And meet Philippa Tutier. Hello. Hello. So uh, I've just introduced <laughs> you both. So why don't we yeah. say a little bit about another post went out on social and they were pretty descriptive. But let's say a little bit about um, why we think it's important to do this pod. Let's start with you, Lou. Uh, for me, uh, the reason I wanted to do it is because I don't think there is a current platform like this to support uh, women rugby in Wales at the moment. And I just think it's important to drive this sport in its own right and not be in the shadow of the men's game either, or actually to be determined by what the WRU think, which pocket it should sit in. I think we need to like grow it and give the girls who are still playing the respect that they deserve. It's own identity, right? That's right, yeah. Love it. You've got to see it to be able to, you know, get other people involved and whatever, isn't it? You've got to see it to be it. Yeah, like that. And just in case, you know, people have been living on Mars, who were you as a rugby player? How many caps did you get? Yeah, so it was a pretty dandy rugby player. (laughs) (laughs) No, I had 34 caps for Wales. But yeah, spent most of my career playing with Neath and then Cardiff Met and then changing to coaching with Kidwaley ladies, Pinnabank ladies and Men's. Cool. Uh, one, one thing we haven't mentioned though, how many tries did you score for Wales? Well, do, do the ones that aren't in non-capped games count? Absolutely. <laughs> they all count. Yeah. Now, this is actually a good point because now that the game has changed, where hookers are now all <laughs> at the end of the line now, they think I would have scored far more. But just the five tries for me. Oh, fair play, mate. I would have very good to convert some of them as well, but I wasn't allowed to do that either. So. Shame. Their loss, but their loss. Yeah. I felt let's hear from you then. Okay. So um well we had we had a chat, didn't we, Gems? What was it? A couple of weeks ago. And we both just sort of said that there's nothing really out there. And I started banging on about podcasts and, and you, Fair Play, were just like, right, let's do it. Let, let's just, let's get it done. Like, let's start tomorrow, <laughs> of which I panicked. And, uh, <laughs> but no, um, it's credit to you, mate, for, for getting this um, up and running. So good on you for, for taking the initiative with it. But I think, uh, sadly, there's been too much negativity around the women's game, especially the last 12 months with results and coaches leaving and teams folding. And um, the reality is that there is, there is lots of positivity around the girls and women's game in Wales. There's, there's so many good things happening that we just don't know about. Now I went down to watch um, Cardiff Quinns under 18s play Nelson under 18s. And honestly, such an entertaining game. The kicking, I was so impressed with the kicking, not just like the kicking for touch and the distance these girls were getting, but the tactical kicking, you know, recognizing when the fullback was high and they're putting the grubbers through, there were crossfield kicks. Like we have got some amazing players in Wales. We've got super, super talented girls coming through. And I think we need to shed light on them. I think we need to bring awareness to that. 
And hopefully it might ask some more questions about how these girls are being nurtured, how they're being supported, and maybe why we're not seeing so many of them progress through to the national team. Because, you know, we can't, we can't ignore it. We've pretty much come last now in the Six Nations past two years. We are a year out from the World Cup, you know, the biggest opportunity for these girls. Um, we need to bring a bit of positivity back to the women and girls game, a bit of love, a bit of support, a bit of engagement, and, and less support them through to the to the World Cup. I think I think that's the the best point you brought up today is that I've seen it as well with the hubs and stuff around here. Look, there's so much fresh young talent, and then they've got nowhere to go because of the lack of pathway. Mm. It's, it's frustrating then for you know an ex player and a fan of women's rugby that they've got nowhere to go. And like when you've got friends in school who play other sports and they've got so many options and how to progress and work mm. as such, and they're just stuck in limbo because there's nothing there for them unless they are, you know, absolutely amazing at 17, 18, and then get pulled into the senior squad. But then I worry sometimes that's too young for them anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Because um, for anyone who, who doesn't know, there, there is no Welsh development anymore. There's no Wales A, which, you know, we were involved in when we were playing. There's no Wales students. These teams that would provide that little kind of, well, introduction, if you will, that little taster, just to make sure that, one, to prepare the girls for that massive jump that is senior level, but also to make sure the players really wanted it and didn't just come in get their cap and and leave, giving a bit of respect back maybe to the jersey, you know, what you have to get through to, to get to that point, to get to the national team. Um, and these are all things we're going to be, we're going to be looking into and asking questions about. Uh, I did uh, get in touch with Hannah Jones this week, who's the Welsh um, manager and also Liz Jones, who's the Welsh media uh, women's manager. And in fairness, they're both on annual leave, but they both still responded to me. So thank you for that. So I've got a little bit of information, but, but not too much, but I think we'll get into that a bit later. Anyway. Cool. Very detailed introduction, Phil. Thanks for that. <laughs> the question was, why are you in the pod? <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry. No, love it. Love it. And my <laughs> reasons is exactly the same what you just said. My biggest bugbear right now is that exactly what you both touched on. There's no performance pathways. And, you know, we've been through it. So we knew firsthand, you know, what that felt like and how that prepared us for international campaigns so we know the girls are going into a, pretty much a baptism of fire without those performance pathways and mm. yeah pretty much like you said phil let's shine a light on all the good stuff that's going on laurie mentioned it like all the hubs and things like that i don't really understand it that's why we're going to bring a guest in later um to tell us everything that is happening on the ground and the new structures are in place because we're so old now that we don't understand <laughs> what's happening <laughs> Um, remember we had a conversation early doors. It was like, okay, who's going to talk about grassroots? And it's like, I don't understand grassroots. Let's get someone else in to do it. So she's coming on later. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Let's shine a light on all the positive stuff that's happening there. I mean, you've seen on social already since they've been back from COVID. It's blown up on social, isn't it? It's like the rocket being set of somebody's butt. And it's like, whoa, we've got to promote all of this, which is brilliant. We've seen all these young girls. But my biggest bugbear is the performance pathway. Community element of the game, brilliant. Performance element of the game, yeah, very. Uh, <laughs> well, they're just the point we're not allowed to swear on this pod, so we're fine. It's all right. We're just going to give you your own little beep. Um, yeah. So it's Nigel Walker, isn't it? It's just been appointed the new performance director for the WRU. Mm. Anyone met him? Anyone know anything? 
about him? I've uh, not met him, but I have been enjoying all his clips from his playing days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought if there's anyone who can match my speed on the on the wing there. <laughs> but uh, no, it's an exciting opportunity. Mm. And fresh, someone new, someone who knows the game. But mm. we've all seen it before. So I know. There is some pessimism or whatever that word is uh, there. But yeah. I just, I, I want to go, you know, I want to back him with all the positivity in the world. Yeah, 100%. Let's get him on. Okay. Now, if you're listening, yeah. let's bring him on. Tell okay. us how you're going to uh, develop the performance pathway. For me, it's a case of, is there another job for boys? Right? Mm. Um, they did it with Ryan. They put Ryan in post. I had no experience of developing anything. Literally, he was a rugby player and come in on the back of his name, let's be honest. Is it the same with Nide? We don't know. Mm. You know, we've got to give him the, the benefit of the doubt and, and mm. hope that he sees the value in the women's game and, and mm. treats it separate to the men's game. We can't gender wash this because mm. it's so different to the men's game. Different challenges, different issues, different development. No performance pathways. So you're starting from complete scratch, basically. So there's a lot on Nigel, and we will be watching him um, very closely. Shall we touch on the review? Because that's, <sighs> yeah, I know. And so much of what we're trying to talk about and find out about really is going to be, well, we've got to wait and see what that review brings out. And we should... So the panel for this investigation is going to comprise of Helen Phillips, who's the chair of the Commonwealth Games, Amanda Bennett, former Wales vice captain and Sport Wales board member and former Wales coach, Kevin Bowring. So really important review. They do say that they're going to be looking at absolutely all aspects of the women's and girls games. And, you know, you read up the the write-up on the WRU website, I'm sure we can share that on our podcast. And it's, you know, they they really are saying that they're opening themselves up and um, they're really looking forward to the results of that review, but we have yet to see them. So yeah, in regards to um, senior pathway at the moment, we don't know. So back in the day for us, it would have been playing for our club. Then we all got assigned to a region, same region as the men's. So Ospreys, Scarlets, Dragons, Cardiff Blues. And we play in the autumn. And from that, then we get selected um, for the Welsh training squad, wasn't it? Through sort of the winter and then through to the Six Nations. So that's traditionally how it was done. COVID put a bit of a spanner in the works, um, obviously last year. So I think it was mostly went off and played. All the girls went off and played in the English Prem, didn't they? Um, but that, that decision was made happening. before COVID though, right? Oh, interesting. Was it? I think it was an underlying decision. It was maybe not so much you're told to go and play over there, but it was alluded to that you would be. It was highly recommended that you leave Wales yeah. and go play in England. We all know that. Throughout mm. my playing career, I was told if you want to be, if you want to play for Wales, you need to be playing for a club in Wales. Mm. And the select few, you did have a couple of girls who were playing in in the England pre- England Premiership, but. They were living there as well, so they yeah. had that argument, you know. For the last Six Nations game, of the 23 girls involved in there, 22 of them were playing in yeah. Premiership, and one was an attached. She was only playing for Cardiff Met. Yeah, I think it was, like you're saying, I think they were encouraged in the twen- no, 2019 season to go. So some did, some didn't. But then because of COVID and the fact there was no Welsh rugby actually happening no domestic league <laughs> then everyone went so it'll be interesting now you know they are starting back training who is going to stay 
in the English Prem who is going to come back to their Welsh clubs. That would be interesting. On an individual basis, you can't blame the girls for going over to the the English Prem because that's the only game time they would have had. Yeah. It does surprise me that then when they all came back for international duty that Wales performed the worst they have done in many years. Yeah. So for them to be saying that they're playing at a higher level, competitive rugby, Mm. I do have to question, is it just the, the selection process that things were so bad. Oh, yeah, what was going on in that camp for something not to click? Yeah. Because I've I've watched the games of Bristol and the Saracens and Quinns, and girls have been putting their hands up. The Welsh contingent over there have mm. performing, you know, outperforming the English girls in some mm. Well, every Monday try of the week, wasn't it? You could vote on it. I, I swear every time at a top five tries, there'd be a Welsh girl in there somewhere. Mm. Kaylee Powell was constantly highlighted. Jasmine Joyce obviously was being highlighted. Sean Ed. Sean Ed. Sean Ed. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? They went away and played the best sort of rugby that they possibly could for a long period of time and getting the benefit of the extra coaching. You know, I, I speak to um, Eleanor Snowsill and I'm like, how do you work? Because every time I speak to her, she's going over for like an afternoon kicking session or a morning gym session. Like they've got a really professional setup there. I think if you are, you know, a fully funded athlete, like you're, you're an England player, you pretty much, when you go back to your club, you know, it's 24-7, can be 24-7 training and, and support and assistance. So girls were getting all of that. And then, like you said, the worst Six Nations but, you know, as we've seen, Warren Abraham, who was the coach of that season, has gone. Still no official word, if you will, just the report saying that he wanted to thank the WIU for the opportunity and obviously wishes them well in the future. And, and WIU reciprocated that. But so could you put it all down to him? I mean, I don't, I don't think so, because this has been an ongoing issue. Now, there's yeah. any coaches who have left post without any reason for it. Mm things being explained the girls who are involved are going from one from one direction to another mm. following suit rather than well it would you would you challenge what was going on above you if you were in the squad and you had a job to do all my job to do is to play rugby perform as best as I can and get results that's how I looked at it when I was in the camp I wouldn't want to go up to the coach and be like What's going on? What's all this rest? I need I need to know what's going on in your heads before I can perform well on the pitch. Yeah. Or is it an actual issue that the girls couldn't perform because there's so much stuff going on? That's an interesting point. Yeah, that is an interesting point. Look, well, let's consider the calibre well. of the coaching, right? Is there any reason in particular they, they chose a sevens coach to coach our national 15s? Mm. Oh, he had had some domestic experience. Um, he well, this is an international coach. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah, got some yeah, domestic yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. Nobody got no, some fair. domestic experience. Mm. You know, he, he talked about Carla Quinn's area, far more. Uh, what's it? What's his name down there? Owen, far oh, more. Owen Smith, experience, he is amazing. Yeah, Daryl, far more experienced. Yeah, yeah. at fifteens. Um, That's very true. The thing yeah. is, you need to question us when the post came out that they were looking for a coach to cover the 15s and the sevens program. And the development. Remember when it came out, we were like, that's a three-person job. But yeah. like, the sevens you know, coach, 15s yeah. coach, and development of, of the game in general. I, I don't know the, the funding situation at the moment, but to expect one person to do that job, mm. you know, he might have needed one season 
just to get some bad results out of the way before he can shape a squad that he needs to to get some results. Yeah. And to have to do that across the board, I think asking too much before he even was imposed. And I think Carol James picked up on it early on as well because she came up with an article, didn't she, to say it was far too much for one person to take. Yeah, Yeah, Carol James, former Welsh winger, wasn't it? Yeah, she came out and spoke quite strongly about that. And it's true. It's definitely true. Um, there are crossovers between 15s and 7s. Of course there are. But I think if we really want to take them both seriously, we need specialised coaches for each discipline and for it to be separate entities. I don't know if you guys are aware that a former World Cup winning coach applied for it. Gary Street. Oh, I don't know if we were name dropping, but OK. Sorry. <laughs> I felt like it was a pub quiz. I was in. Boom! <laughs> um, again, I'm hearing this like second and third hand. So, um, oh, interesting. You know, take it with a pinch of salt. But, um, you know. If that's true, then the WRU have missed one hell of an opportunity. Yeah, but he didn't. He was involved with England. I so admire him. Yeah, for sure. Great coach, right? Coach of calibre, coach of experience. It could bring all of that straight into the Welsh sector. But my concern would be, um, you know, he's not going to take on the development of the game, the sevens game and the fifteens. He's going to yeah. tell him straight, right? But also, you know, did Ryan and Charlie know who he was? I've heard around about that, that they didn't understand the calibre of some of the applications. Well, it's all, going to be interesting. We can't, the yeah. And the background of the women's game. When somebody mm. like Gary Street CV lands on your desk, you're going to get accepted, right? Yeah, yeah. But if you don't understand, then you're not. Well, they've got a big job now trying to find an international coach who's going to do their due diligence on the WIU. And <laughs> look at the past two, three years, the amount of coaches that the WIU have gone through in the women's game. Look at the results. Now you've got to, you're going to, t- it's going to be someone with an in- incredibly positive mindset to think what a challenging opportunity, because it could be for the right person, they could make some serious change you know, relatively quickly, you've got caliber of players there, but you just don't know when they get into this position, you know, are they doing it with one hand tied behind the back? Don't know what promises are made. Are they given the, I don't know, are they given the full rights on decision-making on who they implement on their staff? We just don't know. But reality is we are a year out from the Women's Rugby World Cup over in New Zealand and they don't currently have a coach. Well, we're just going to have to, yeah. Wait and see. Wait but I guess, you know, a year out, that's fine. These yeah. girls need every bit of support around them. Um, if that means a familiar face, and so be it. Let's just yeah. get to this World Cup and then start looking forward after that, right? Didn't Razzy Erasmus get South Africa like a year and a half out from the World Cup? I was going to say, did he apply? Bloody yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Massive gossip. <laughs> no, but I'm sure he only took over South Africa like a year and a half out from the World Cup. And they went on to win it. Right person for the job. Guess the right. And it's, it's not even just the World Cup. Look what they've done since the World Cup. This, yeah. The results, you know. No. So yeah, if anyone needs a water boy, I'm keen to, <laughs> to be like head coach, bro. But as a water boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brill. So that's our introduction then, I guess. <laughs> but we went off in, um, which, you know, listeners, you can probably expect a lot of that. Um, so this is pretty much what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. And it's something that we're going to explore more of, bringing guests that can answer these questions because we're filling in a lot of gaps, right? And that's pretty much what it is in Welsh rugby at the moment. There's so many gaps, so many whispers, so many conversations behind the scenes. Let's mm. 
you know, let's air as much of it as we can, get everybody on board and get everybody supporting the girls into the next World Cup and further, right? Mm-hmm. And looking at two elements of the game, we've got the performance side and we've got the community side and both of it needs a platform and a whole army of supporters behind them. And that's what this podcast is hoping to do. So the very first thing we did was reach out to our um, our audience on Twitter and Instagram for the jingle to go with that. Yeah, so we got our first bunch of questions in. Ooh, Ooh. excited. Yeah, so uh, open your WhatsApp group because they're there. So Phil, you can go first and ask the first question from our huge audience. Yep, first one. Okay, girls, best player that you've played against? Coming to you, Laurie. Well, actually, I did uh, a home and away player with my away choice first. Uh, so I think you're saying it as uh, Gael Mignot, but... If, <laughs> Great um, accent. <laughs> yeah, if you're from croissants like me, and uh, a little bit more like Gael Mignot then, isn't it? <laughs> but anyway, for anyone who doesn't know, she was the French hooker. She capped in the side in 2014 as well. I just thought she was a brilliant player all around. The way she managed herself, how skillful she was for such mm. a little, just a little Dutch player. But she was great with the officials as well. She, you know, demanded that respect as well for someone who's been around the French squad for so long. I just thought she was brilliant. And especially for someone in the same position as myself, it was someone maybe that I did look up to a little bit as well. Yeah. But um, moving on to my home choice, then that would have to be Shona Harris. Oh be- my God, she's mine. Oh, really? Yeah. How yeah funny. We're jumping ahead here, but she's actually uh, my home player as well. Is she? <laughs> um, she would probably be the first on many people's team of choice as well. She's mm. brilliant in attack and defense as well. I think she should definitely still be involved with the Welsh squad. I think she offers so much and and I, I hope she does come back and returns to play if she gets the opportunity again because mm. I've got so much to show again, you know? Mm. But, yeah, those are my home and away choices. That is a great shout. Absolutely great shout. I hate... Seanette Harries is the one person you hate to play against and love to play with. I think that's almost the ultimate compliment to give someone, you know? You know that when she's on your team... She will like, she'll put a body on top of yours to protect you. Like, she is just complete and utter. But then, equally, she'll do whatever she needs to do to your body when you're playing against her to get you out of the way of the ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, but yeah, absolutely. great choice. Lucky though, I was faster than her. So, she oh, were you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she barely caught me, uh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Nice one. Yeah. Shall I go next? This yeah, is going to turn into the Charlotte Harris fan club. Now I can see it. But mm-hmm. my, my away player is um, Maggie Alfonsi. Oh, yeah. Uh, right? Yeah. So it's kind of in my early days. But, oh, my God, you knew you were hit, right? Yeah. Um, if you tried to hit her, you just bounce off. Like, the definition of a brick wall was Maggie <laughs> Alfonsi. You didn't even have to look up from the rack to find out what truck just hit you. He was hit. <laughs> and she was so, like, not... Not nice with it, but like just so kind of, you know, professional and efficient on the field as well. And she's like, she'd smash you. And then she wouldn't have a dig or giggle or anything about it. She'd just move on to her next job. She was so focused. So I thought um, that was great. 
And then my home player is is Sean Ed, obviously. But I think what's why Sean sticks out the most is because you hate playing against her, but you love mm. playing with her. Exactly. So club wise, club wise, you know, when Ponaclean were playing Whitland or uh, Cardiff Met, it'd be like, okay, how do we, the leaders, whatever, like, okay, how do we deal with Sean Ed? And it was the same when we got to Blues and had to play against the Scarlet. I remember sitting down with Nadge before kickoff and we're like, how are we going to nullify Sean Ed? And I think that shows so much respect as a player. And then obviously, when you got to play with Sean Ed, it was like, thank God she's on my team. I always remember fearing, obviously, playing against her in 15s, but, you know, with her being in, in flanker and I was back three, luckily didn't have to cross paths too much. And then I went to a sevens tournament and she showed up. I was like, oh, for the love of God, really? Really? <laughs> and then I got to see how fast she is. Like, she's deceivingly quick. Um, she actually palmed me off full face palm at um, Cardiff Blue Stadium, and it was right in front of the crowd as well. She was made it? a break. Ooh. Oh, you're proper, proper. <laughs> I managed to chase back, and I got within sort of, you know, tackling distance, but she's just so strong. When you get to her, then she'll fend you like she's just doing like a hard crash ball, but she's sprinting down the wing. All right, Lo, I've got a question for you. What are your thoughts on the Lionesses conversation? At the moment, I don't think it's realistic because it would just be England mm. selected. Um, I do, I generally do hope it's going to be something uh, that we will see in the future but I don't think the home nations are having enough support in their own right at the moment. And I include Scotland and Ireland, as well as us Wales being in that. Mm -hmm. I think there is so much more room for them to grow as their own nation before they even entertain the idea of getting the best of the rest into one squad kind of thing. Yeah. But, you know, the hype from just coming off the back of the Lions tour, I mean, I know the results didn't go their way, but you, there's something about the Lions tour that just gets everyone together and you, you do support. And like, like Phil's mentioned, Emily Scarlett, imagine being able to be in the same team as her, mm. getting some results as well. It would be unreal. Jazz Joyce coming back from the Olympics. We've got the caliber players to go in there, but I just think it would... It would set a divide at the moment mm. back in the home nations because you're only going to get one, maybe two from the other squads. Well, that's what's happened with GB football, though, right? You know, to, in all fairness, I have followed that a bit. So, you know, the girls in the Welsh football team, like your uh, Natasha Harding and, and Jess Fishlock and those, they, they've been nothing but supportive mm. of Ingle who went. But is it something that you can fully get behind just because it only comes around every so often? Or is there something that you are going to work so hard for that you forget that there's, you know, there's building blocks that we're still trying to build a home? Because the disappointment that Hannah Jones um, felt now after not being selected from the Olympics, apparently from speaking with Jazz, she absolutely transformed her training style and she was performing better than she's ever performed before, just for the goal of being in the Olympics. I'm not, I'm not taking that away from anyone. You, you are going to put in that bit, little bit extra bit of work and whatever, but I, I would like the girls to hit that level just to aspire to play for Wales. Mm. But you, you, you get there to play for Wales, yeah. that's where the opportunity should come for anything beyond that. Yeah. 
But I think it's that um, what you've got with the GB, it's that, like I was saying, like the respect in the jersey, you know, being something that is a dream, like it's something that obviously is promoted, we see all the time, but you have that respect for that place and that's why you work that much harder. And I do worry sometimes we see so many new caps coming in and then they're gone and they just disappear. They get one cap and they're out. And I'm like, I just wish could kind of be a little bit more old school where it was really hard for us to get our caps. I did two years on the bench. My parents almost stopped coming to watch. They were like, really going to get on this time? Like, <laughs> you know, back in the day, it was hard to get your cap, but that's what made you want it even more and mm. work that much harder, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. What do you feel about, um, I've heard some people say, you know, lionesses won't work for, for the points you've sort of just said there. It would be too one-sided at the moment. What about a Northern Hemisphere vs a Southern Hemisphere team? So all of a sudden you're amalgamating potentially some of the Fijian women players that we saw stand out in GB. No one really knew about them. And New Zealand and Australia coming together to play. Well, we get to include the French then as well. I think potentially it could still be a little bit (laughs) two-sided rather than one-sided. But what do you think about that North v South rather than following the men's pathway with the lion? lionesses um i'm gonna be honest phil i don't like that idea but that's because yeah i'm all for the lionesses i think it's the natural thing to do what about you were just saying how women need to step out and do something different and not always follow in the path or on the back of sort of guys that's what's going to next right so if you ask yeah if you ask me a year ago should the lionesses uh, be a thing and should they run in parity with the men's um i would be absolutely it should but having seen what happened this year's six nations Mm. where the women's were a standalone competition. Mm. I was all for keeping that together and, you know, hands up. I watched it this year and the difference, the coverage the women's competition got, because it was in April, wasn't it? Yeah, it was later, yeah. Um, And I just thought going forward, that's, you know, that's potentially better for the women, more exposure, better, more open, flowing rugby, sunny rugby. Um, Mm. Yeah, so... I'm all for a Lions team. I think it's it's time. Um, and I, uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty much one-sided for now, but that's something to aspire to. Um, but whether or not it runs alongside the men, because the World Cup diff- years are different as well, right? So yeah. you don't have the same World Cup years as men. Um, I think it, for now, possibly a separate competition, uh, its own Lionesses tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure in the early days of the Lions, they toured like France and things like that. I don't think it needs to follow the same format as men's. I'm going to go to the, okay. the big three. Um, it could be, a, you know, a tour to France and you play against the national team at the end and played against some of the, you know, the French club teams. I can imagine the crowd that yeah. would get from France. Yeah. That, would that would be, be incredible. Good. The likes of uh, Canada and America would yeah. like they used to win the Nations Cup uh, tournament. Mm. Coming from, I don't, I don't know. I think we've got a a, di- a difference in opinion there. But I just, but I think for anything like that to happen, it needs to be a pathway back in Wales. So bring back twenties, let players play at their level, and then mm. exceed their level. Mm. So to then aspire to be in the senior squad, aspire then to go yes. beyond. You know, I agree. Yep. So you two are a, a no for the lionesses, and I'm here. Is that how we're going? It's a no for no. It's a no for no. Come back to you in four years' time. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the next question. Then. Who wants to ask that? I'll, I'll ask you. Uh, what needs to be the top three priorities in sorting the Welsh female game? 
Ooh. I think I've answered one of them. Bring yeah. the twenties. Pathway. At the moment, coach. I'm bored. Are you bored of my answers or? <laughs> no, I agree with you. If there needs to be a pathway, um, we need to bring them all back or bring something back. Um, mm. We need a coach, obviously, but we need like board governance. We need yeah. leadership. We need somebody that sits like, like I've talked about this on Twitter. I'm very keen for um, not bringing the women's team out to WRU at all, keeping it in the WRU, of course, but having its own kind of board and governance and um, strategic kind of management, like its own kind of, the CEO is the wrong term, but somebody in charge of the women's game at that high level that's got shitloads of experience and can build a board around that um, mm. and can lean on loads of people that got experience to, to contribute to the leadership of it and the direction of it and mm. not just, you know, is an item um, you know, an agenda item in a cross WRU yeah. board meeting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. WWRU. Way back when, whenever it was, because it, it we it was still, didn't we? we yeah, still. we were completely separate. Mm. Yeah, when I first got involved, we were completely separate. Yeah. And we don't want that. That'd be going backwards for sure. Yeah. But we yeah. need some control over the women's game within the WRU. There you go. Top three. Okay, can I ask the next question? <laughs> Why is, I'll, I'll quote, right? Why is Gemma Haller, so I'm going to say it's Gemma Haller, yeah, always so negative about rugby? Surely it puts people off wanting to play with the negativity. Surely there's a difference between passion and being resentful. Oh, Gem. Who wants to go first? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um... If you don't mind, I'm going to break this down into two parts because it's a bit of a loaded question, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm probably going to go on a little rant in a minute. So if you want to go put the kettle on, listeners, you can do that. <laughs> but, okay. So I don't want to be confrontational or anything in this, so I'm just going to just pour it out, okay? So I wouldn't say I was negative about rugby. I think that's a sweeping statement. I love this game. Obviously, I wouldn't be on this podcast. I wouldn't be so voicing my opinion if I didn't love this game, right? I do a lot of talks in schools and colleges and in businesses, and I always reflect and share the huge amount of skills and qualities that I've been able to develop through rugby, right? I owe rugby so much. And most of the young girls I talk to, I'm selling rugby to them. I get involved. I adore watching rugby with my 84-year-old grandmother. She's my best friend, right? Um, we watch every international, men's or women's, we watch it together. I don't think I'm negative towards rugby, but I can see where he's coming from on this. So I don't want to assume, but maybe he means why am I so negative towards the WIU? Because, yeah, let's be honest, I am out here advocating for the WRU to do better and I'm highlighting their failings. They've decimated the game and the performance pathways. There's no getting away from it. I can't sugarcoat it. It is what it is. There's no under-20s, there's no development, there's no academy, there's no regions, there's no coaches, there's no management, blah. It's all gone, right? It's not negative to tell the truth. It's just that the truth is negative. They've undone everything they've inherited from the WRU that you mentioned. It wasn't perfect, but it's damn sight better than what we've got now. And I can say that because I, I experienced it. I was around for both. I tried to stay away from opinions and I just share the facts. And the fa- facts are negative. I can't polish it good. And the second part of his question, he uses the term resentful, which by definition means feeling bitterness or indignation at having been treated unfairly. Yeah, you're right. I am bitter, right? I am off you bet I am I'm utterly 
about how unfairly the performance element of the women's game is treated and is being decimated. It's our duty as players to leave the shirt in a better position than we received it. It's never ours. We're merely passing through. Right? We've all heard that quote before. We have it for a short while. We move it forward and then we help the next player come along and move it forward again. The next generation should get it better. The generation after them should get it better again. And in this case, where the governing body is abandoned this responsibility, we now have to lend our voices to those who can't speak, right? Or those too young to know better. This game needs performance pathways. We can't send our girls into international campaigns without it. So we as former players can abdicate that duty of leaving the shirt in a better place, or we can get off and demand better. And I've chose the latter. So if I come across negative, I apologize for that, but I don't apologize for what I'm saying. Very well said, Jan. <laughs> Seriously, very well said. So, uh, Jen, I believe you've arranged for our first guest of the pod to come along. Do you want to introduce? Yes. So when we were talking about how we don't really understand um, grassroots rugby um, anymore, because we're a little bit older than what's going on at the moment. So I'm really excited to find out about this whole under 15s and the 18s and um, the difference between the hubs and the clusters and what's happening in a club. Is that still going? So I, we had so many questions and we thought, let's not fill the blanks ourselves. Let's get a guest in. So Hannah, um, I'll let her, her introduce herself. She's North Wales. Um, WRU employee, and she's going to tell us all about what we need to know about grassroots rugby. So I'm Hannah Hughes, the Rugby Engagement Officer for Group Clandishamenai. So my background does not involve much rugby. I played when I was younger, not much really. So judo was my main sport, um, but I think it was good transition skills. So I got, um, well, pro- well, got encouraged to play rugby by um Jess Kavanagh. So I worked with her in sport development and Gwyneth Council and um, got on really well. We're still good friends now. Um, and I was watching her journey, obviously, and following her commitment, traveling down south like four times a week was just phenomenal. So I was trying to help her by covering her shifts because I know how hard she trained and how much she wanted to represent a country. Um, through that then, um, I started volunteering for Welsh Rugby in the, like, the mixed ability um, events they had in Arias, fell in love with that, um, wanted to do more, got in touch with Rachel Taylor as well. Um, she was the RGC coordinator at the time up north, obviously a big famous name, she doesn't need an introduction. So being around these female athletes, I was a bit starstruck at one point. I was like, oh my God, what is going on? Why am I working with these girls? It was just, yeah, incredible. And then... Rach told me that she was working on a post in the college, in the higher education. I thought, oh, that was a gap in the market. I believe that volunteering was left out. So I thought, good opportunity for me to take over the skills that I developed in the county. Um, so I developed a volunteering programme, so I linked them up with a national ambassador programme. Um, that um, became successful in Gwynedd, so I wanted to bring it over to the college as well. So I got the job as a rugby engagement officer which is the first of its kind in, I think, Wales at the point at the time. And there weren't many female hub officers either. So it was nice to be the first female hub in North Wales, if you could say, um, doing it for the girls kind of thing. And then working closely with Rachel Taylor was, well, an honour to start with, because, yeah, I think she's just amazing. You know, the way she is present with engaging with students and learners, she was just, yeah, inspiring to me. And I wanted to replicate that and carry on um, 
what she had in mind. Um, Arion Tales' legacy. Yes. I love it. <laughs> Not so that just, I can. For, <laughs> just for a bit of a timeline, when was this? When did you come into post? So I've been in post two years. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, so it's a newly um, job created, really, in the, camp- in the college. So it's partly funded by Welsh Rugby, but I'm um, employed by the college itself. So as a hip officer, you are employed by the education establishment, um, but supported by Welsh Rugby. Um, I guess this is where somebody like myself and Phil and some other former players that, that we've had conversation with gets really confused. Mm-hmm. So um, if you could just like maybe enlighten us on what is the role of the hub officers? Um, what are the hubs? And you just said maybe they're connected to education. And yes. there's still clubs running, right? They're still under 15s, under 19. 18's clubs running. Okay, so as a hip officer, you are based in an establishment. So the possibly the, there's over a hundred of them in Wales. So they're linked with either a secondary school and then a cluster of primary schools. And then I think where people get confused is that we've got the female hubs as well, which is a separate thing. So they used to be called the female clusters. So that's where girls rugby oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Has come together. So the hip officer role, they work in education to promote um, participation in rugby. So it's more about... Across the whole rugby, boys and girls. Across the whole, mm. yeah. So boys, girls, they're all ages. Mm. Um, so it's just, yeah, grassroots rugby. Right, okay. Right, so tell us more about the girls... Right, I'm going to say girls cluster, but that's wrong now then, right? That's another I thing think it, initially it was called the Hub Clusters for Welsh Rugby, wasn't it? Um, so this is where I think there's about 34 female herbs around that's Wales fair. that offer fun and friendly rugby opportunities for girls all ages from six. Um, so basically it's a fun-based rugby format. It's community-based herbs. Um, part of the family so I think they're trying to encourage players coaches referees volunteers to come together to focus on girls rugby and there's um, 34 of those hubs across Wales yes so they're not run so they are run by volunteers within the community so it could be linked with well obviously it's linked with a club right. um, the hub officers um, are supporting it so not necessarily running it um, and there's not really a structure, so you can make it what you want of it. Um, so it depends on the group. So for I've linked with a few, obviously, because when I worked in the college, I covered 12 different sites across North Wales. So being within four counties, hmm. I was linked to a lot of the hubs and clubs in North Wales. Yeah. So I try to support and encourage as much of them as possible. And I try to attend training sessions, obviously, because I was forwarding the volunteers I had in college and trying to pass them over to the volunteers in the clubs and hubs, basically. <laughs> so you know how you say that the hubs are linked to a club? Um, what if, say, like, I guess in Cardiff, there may be quite a few hubs and maybe only one or two senior women's teams, clubs, to go to connect is it just they just choose who they want to go into or do certain clubs have no no this hub is our link or does everyone just share do you know what I mean like I'm turning 19 do I have to go to a certain club or can I choose any in my area um as a player I think you can choose where you go you know I think the hubs are selected with the specific schools they work with 
So for us um, up north, I'll give an example, like the hip officer in Carnarvon, he's got three secondary schools and he's got about all the feeding primary schools as well. So he's in charge of promoting rugby within their school. So he organised most probably a festival um, for the juniors using the volunteers he's created in the secondary schools mm-hmm. to run the primary school festival or the summer yeah. camps, you know, that they organise. Mm-hmm. Um, so they should filter and cover everyone, mm-hmm. ideally. I don't know if it is happening because obviously not every school has got a hub officer, but I think that's the plan. And up north, last year, we were pretty good. Like, we did cover most areas. But then for me, I covered and just supported. Rather than having a specific area, I had all the college students, which was, like, a lot for one person, I believe, because I think full-time learners, we've got, like, 21,000. So it's a lot of students to (laughs) engage with (laughs) and then link with clubs and then linking in with all the events that Welsh Rugby have got on as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Tell us a bit more about the activities that goes on in these uh, girls only kind of hubs, community hubs, uh, which which sounds brilliant. Um, what are we saying from age? Was it, did we say under six? Yes. Under six to under 18s. Yes. That's incredible for it, right? We never had anything like that growing up. No. I keep referring to how old we are, but it's making me feel <laughs> even older. <laughs> so it was kind of contrast for us, right? We couldn't play until we were over 18. Yeah, university, wouldn't it? University, yeah. College, uni, yeah. Um, I'm not sure of the background of it, but I know Rach Taylor was in charge because I came in to the working with World Rugby along the lines when the new hubs were released. And all the hubs, and I know a bit more about the North ones because obviously I'm based up North. Um, They've got team names, so like the Pirates, uh, Mornstars, who else? We've got Valkyries, you know, so everyone have got the clubs, but I've seen Valkyries on Twitter, right? They've got every single age group. Yes. Incredible. It yeah. is really good. So I think they all help each other, you know. So they've got the coordinator, um, the volunteers or the hub officer supporting. Um, it's just a fun environment, I think. You can make it so when I supported the model act drum, we did like a massive launch. We had the inflatables there, we had sorbs. You know, so you bring more than rugby. So it's a fun element. Girls yeah. have them. We brought a lot of glitter. That was so popular. I've never had so much glitter in my hair. <laughs> Phil loves glitter. When's Love the next one? She's coming. <laughs> <laughs> so then for me, as higher education students, I was trying to link the courses that were advertised here with what they can bring to the party. So I thought you don't have to play rugby to be part of it. So I said, right, think outside the box what you can do so then the hairdressing girls said oh we can come down and plait the girls hair because everyone oh, wow. really needs plaits girls that hair. is true brilliant is true. Like, everyone needs a hairdresser on the team right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then possibly someone else would bring over like the fake tattoos or whatever you know kids love that kind of stuff um what else did we have um so we did the rugby fit as well so it's not just rugby it was bringing in fitness and we play tag, touch. So it's all different kinds of rugby scenarios were put in. So it'd have to be full contact. Um, so we didn't scare them off straight away. Mm-hmm. So it's just encouraging new players to have a go. Bring a bestie, I think, was the hashtag. Um, yeah, I saw that. Uh, yeah, and it was just like trying to get funding for loads of freebies and then have them as identity. So they had their own kit and they just feel part of a team initially in a safe environment. Yeah. The clubs were... 
the clubhouses were getting on board, you know, so opening up the clubhouse when the sessions were on. And then obviously they were getting to know the girls' setup and yeah. And the girls, I guess, that kind of no matter what level they are, we're getting familiar with the rugby environment and the kind of, you know, the rugby family around that clubhouse as well. Yes. And I think um, it was just opening avenues as well for clubs to not just be focused on the first man, men's team. You know, it could be, yeah. it should be a more family orientated environment. Yeah, yeah 100%. Okay. Can I just ask about um, the girls? It's fantastic. You know, as Jen mentioned there, they can start playing at under six and have this team and they can see that progression. But uh, can a girl still play for a boys team? Because I remember like back in the day, it was until you were like 13, was it? Is that yes. still a rule? Can that still happen? Yes, they can. Um, I think it, it has been not an issue, but it has been complicated for some parents because obviously if you want to play rugby, you'll do as many rugby sessions as you want. Can you? Yeah. So I think they can play both. So they register with the club and then they can play for the mixed team and for the girls team as well. But I think there's a limit with how many hours they can do. I'm not oh, sure okay. exactly on, um, but there is there are guidelines on that. Is that more like a, a well-being, safety, not too much contact type of thing? Yes, I think yeah. so. Which, yeah. yeah, fair. Oh, okay. So they still have that option. They can they have the option. Play. I think it needs to be advertised clearer that they can do both and they don't have to just play for the girls. Right. Because, you know, you get your natural, talented players that will mm. just, yeah, destroy the boys as well. Um, <laughs> or just naturally talented, you know, and they just need to progress. And if they want to play mixed, then that's fine. Mm-hmm. But it's obviously keeping them on board once they've started playing mix that once they get to a certain age, they've got to transfer back to female only. Yeah. yeah. Which can be hard sometimes, especially if the standard is not as good, you know, because as a hub cluster, it's a, it's a lot for newbies and it's a lot of developing. So there could be tiers within the hub as well, if you know what I mean. Right, yeah. So am I right in thinking that you could, at any given year, at the hub, say they all train on the same night. Um, you could have ones that are doing rugby fit, dancing with the ball and doing that kind of thing. You could have ones that are working on maybe more rugby specific and they could have ones that are maybe tackling. Yes, they can do. Yeah. Um, I guess it depends on the size of the hub you've got. Um, so we've noticed last year, I gave like Anglesey, for example, they used to start off quite low, low numbers. So they used to train them all together and then split them off into their groups afterwards. Um, but then a year on, they've like worked hard on recruiting more girls and more volunteers. Now they've got over 80, 90 girls training on a weekly basis so they can wow. split them into their groups. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, it is phenomenal the work they've done, but they have worked hard to get there. Mm. Yeah. So it is possible, but you just need the right volunteers and people in place to make it happen and not give up on it because it will be tough, won't it? Like, some areas, you know, because we're up in Gwynedd, for example, as a county, netball is massive. So you've got to, like, be wary possibly of not putting the training sessions on the same evening. Mm. Um, you've just got to work with each other, you know, because possibly some of the girls want to do both. So if you put the yeah. training on the same night, well, you don't, you don't want to make them choose that age. No, no not at all. <clears throat> so um, a big conversation um, we've been discussing is about the the elite pathway and potentially the confusion around 
um, do people know what it is? Does a young person know, okay, if I play for them and I play for them, I go there, work really hard, you know, one day I could represent my national team. And I know it's a bit unfair for us to talk to, um, uh, I guess, criticize too much at the moment because COVID has thrown everything up in the air. There's this big review that's ongoing in the WIU and, you know, they've said, look, we can't make any decisions until we get the results of this review. So parking that, if I was to go to one of your girls, would they have an idea? Do parents know? How do you explain it? Give us kind of the feel for, for people in regards to that pathway. Um, personally, I do. I've always seen my job as the participation and not okay. the elite, you know? So right. obviously the hub has got to link in with that pathway at some point because I've not really seen an elite pathway Okay. Um, I've not been given any like um, documents pointing it out kind of thing. Um, right. That's interesting to know. But I am aware, obviously, because through knowing Jess, I know okay. there is a pathway, um, but possibly we need to promote it better or have it on the document so people can share it and see visual. Mm-hmm. Um, I know of experience because... As an engagement officer in the college, we did have a cross-college um, girls team and a few of them were selected for Welsh colleges. Yep. Um, and from that, been identified, I think, and two of them were selected for the under-18s national team. Was well, that with Trickle? Jenny Trickle-Davis? Yes, still coaching that. So, <laughs> yes. So, obviously, there was a lot of crossover between me and her because a lot of the girls obviously keen on rugby. They were keen to be active ambassadors as well for the college. So they were doing good promoting work. They were going out into the community coaching. Um, so me and Treacle did um, make sure that the girls were recognised and promoted, you know. Um, and I did as much support as I could because mm-hmm. um, a lot of the girls play regional as well. So we've got the RGC. So obviously now we're North Wales um, mm-hmm. RGC under 18s team a lot of the girls were filtered in through that and I was encouraging them to go for the trials, you know, when it did happen and I made sure that the dates were shared and promoted. Cool. I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't realise you were going to go that route, but um, what's happening with the under-18s regionals? Um, this year, I think COVID has put a stop to it. Um, yeah. I play um, myself in the women's side. We've not heard anything, so I take it there's nothing happening this year. Um, I've started back training with club um, in the women's team. Carnarvon? Uh, yes, Carnarvon. Yes. Uh, love Carnarvon away as a trip as a player. It was like a mini tour. <laughs> it is a tour. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be nice to start back, you know. So we've had emails through now explaining like who we are going to be playing and stuff. So it's nice to have a bit of morality and a bit of mm. target set so we can start training properly and mm. have something to focus on rather than just playing touch. <laughs> yeah. Hey, nothing wrong with touch. Love touch. Oh, I do love touch. <laughs> touch yeah. properly, not like Gemma, who does not know what an offside is. Um, but you so have to let us know. Yeah, exactly. Um, you have to let us know when you're playing down in Cardiff. I guess yes. would uh, maybe a cup or something bring you down here? Um, yeah. Let us know and we'll, we'll come along and support you guys. Ah, oh, brilliant. Thank you. 
Definitely. Oh, we've got favourites already. It's only episode one. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to be saying that to every team that comes on. You know that, don't you? Phil's <laughs> 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 developing her own tour company. Um, <laughs> but it has been hard, you know. Like, I think the women's team, obviously, you know, COVID has made a lot of people rethink about what they want to do, you know. Obviously, as women, you've got to think, are they going to start having families? And then we've lost mm-hmm. a lot of players. Um, also, in our team in Carnarvon, a lot of them have gone over to play for Sale Sharks, which has been wow. a loss. So it's yeah. like rebuilding a new team now, um, which has been fun because we've managed to recruit new ones. Um, but obviously, building a team again is like starting from scratch, isn't it? And mm-hmm. building reputation and rapport and yeah. yeah but it's been good fun um, well, we, just, can't get out, can't we discussed out. earlier on the pod that um well i particularly anyway i see the welsh prem as being the elite level of the game so it's two sides to the coin you've got a community game and the performance element i see the club level at welsh prem being the performance side of the game and that's ultimately what's going to feed our internationals um so how do you think your team will, will fare up and who are you likely to be playing because you were Prem, you are Prem, right? Uh, we were Prem. We're not Prem anymore because of the commitment we had to do with travelling. Mm. Um, so we had to make the ultimate decision, obviously losing key players that went over to Sail Sharks. Um, we had to make the decision, basically, and step down and go down a league just to make sure that we kept the team together because we don't didn't want to fold. Because it was so sad to hear about who the team that folded last week, wasn't it? Yeah, Swansea. Yeah, yeah. Because we used to play them. It used to be us and them in the final most times. And yeah, so sad to see that they've gone. That they've gone. So you guys have had to make the decision to go down a league because basically the travel is just too much from North Wales. Yeah, it was a commitment, wasn't it? Especially yeah, on Sunday as well. Absolutely. Everyone was working, um, mm. and yeah. the players lost to, to sale. Didn't it was tough no, for me personally it was tough because usually I'd be working on a Saturday as well so it was like seven days of rugby so oh. it was a lot of I love rugby but seven days of rugby is <laughs> it's too much it was heavy rugby. going yeah yeah well that's fantastic to hear though that you have managed to recruit new blood that's amazing I mean I'm not sure there are many teams that can go losing nearly half the squad and, and still manage to come through so good on you for that yeah, it had to be done. We can't yeah. let the Carnarvon team down, so... Yeah, good yeah. Um, I've got a question scribbled by you I didn't have a chance to ask, so if you don't mind, just go back a little bit. Um, so WIU will be throwing out all these numbers about the community element of the game, which, you know, amazing, incredible, if, if they're all, what's the word, accurate. Um, are the numbers they're using, are they rugby players or are they people, that, young girls that turn up these hubs and play rugby dance ball or whatever it is, uh, rugby fit or whatever, or they come along for one session and they disappear again. Are they, are they rug, classed as rugby players for the WIU? Um, I do believe that they are, it will be the ultimate, like they've collected all the data together. Um, so as, as hub officers, we've got KPIs that we get given. So we've got to put out like how many play rugby, how many have done like touch, how many have done tag, how many have done like all the different styles rugby and then any other engagements they've done with us as well. So like the volunteering side of stuff, because um, obviously that's where most of my stats come from. Mm. Um, I believe that's my role was within the college because there is a rugby academy 
um, officer that was doing the uh, the rugby elements, like the elite side with the academy for the college. So I was doing everyone else kind of thing. And was it a girls' academy in the college? No, there isn't at the moment. Oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. Yeah, um, it has been asked because there are a few of the girls who are RGC under 18 players and we have been asking when is the female academy being set up. Have we had any answers? Um, and not as of yet, no. Okay, no we need to keep so. asking that then. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll jump on that bandwagon. Um, yeah, imagine those girls, because the resources are there, I'm guessing, right? If the boys are able to do it, they train every day, do a bit of rugby, yeah, do a bit so of gym. Their um, training schedule is planned around their um, rugby training. Then they've got SNC, they've got physio. Um, so, yeah, they've got games set up ready, you know, they've got full time coach. Wow. Resources are there. We just need the ambition to set up the girls' side as well, then. The yes. Girls' Academy. Okay. What do you use this platform right now? What do you need? <laughs> more funding. More funding. Okay. So possibly more engagement officers in the college as well, because obviously being such a massive establishment, they need more um power. I've just seen they've advertised five um head officer roles in the Cambria College um across the border. So I think, ah, oh, if they can have five, we can have five too. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And if not, we'll ask why not. Because right? <laughs> about being transparent and getting the answers we all deserve. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Phil, is there yeah. anything else you wanted to ask? Um, no, that's brilliant. You've you've clarified some some things for me. So thank you. Oh, actually, sorry, one other one. Is there sevens? Are you encouraging sevens at all, or is it mostly just fifteens? Um, it's mostly fifteens. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's just about getting girls at the moment. You know, during COVID and stuff, it was just getting them doing any kind of rugby, just getting them involved, isn't it, and keeping them. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. To be totally honest, I wouldn't know where to start with the sevens pathway. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's. I mean. I think to be honest with you, it's very much still linked with the 15s and you, you just play 15s, you might get noticed and, and then okay. they, they go off for the for the sevens in the in the college. But I just wondered with the Olympics, I know there are quite a few people now that are sort of pushing sevens, or there's more people asking what is sevens. It's crazy, crazy sport. Yeah. Um, but okay, that's interesting. There's nothing, there's no directive from the WRU sort of pushing sevens. Nah, because I, I will, yeah. well, I was also playing this weekend at a tag. Like an adult okay. tag tournament. Yeah. It was brilliant. I really enjoyed <laughs> it. And I thought, how many people would want to get involved, you know, if they're a bit afraid of contact? Yeah. But it's such a good sport to get into. But they had a whole yeah. league happening in England. Yeah. So I will ask the question as well, like, should they come up to Wales as well and just, yeah. Sport. And that's a mixed league, is it? Yes, it was. It was really good. Yeah. Cool. Wicked. All right. Brilliant. Um, Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. So just to make everyone away, um, you're actually leaving your post though, right? Yes. Um, sadly, this is my last week as the engagement officer. Um, mm. It's been a hard, difficult decision because I love my job, you know, working with the young ambassadors, seeing them progress and develop. Um, but on a personal level, I think working seven days was not sustainable. Um mm. And I realised as well over lockdown, I was doing a lot of marketing work. Social media was kind of 
a lot of my job, you know, keeping people engaged. Um, and yeah, I'll still be working in the college so I can still help out and support, but I'll be mo- moving to the marketing department. Wow. Oh, we might hit you up for some uh, podcast marketing. Brilliant. I'll still be volunteering um, in the Good community for you, mate. Because um, I, yeah, and I'll still hopefully still be playing <laughs> if my body allows me to. What position yeah. do you play, by the way? I'm a flanker. Oh, I want to be Taylor, you see. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I'm a little fighter. <laughs> I just got told, like, target that person. I was like, okay. Yeah. Fair. We don't think much in the pack. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> to be fair. Han, I've been so impressed with your work over the last couple of years. Um, I follow you on social media, follow the work you're doing, and, you know, my future company's been following you as well um so you know thank you so much for coming on and thank you for the passion you've given the women's game over the last two years because i really believe a lot of what's happening is good in north wales is because of you um so thank you so much for everything you've done yeah oh, that. You. <laughs> <clears throat> okay so as I mentioned, um, I was in touch with um, Liz Jones at the WRU, who came back with with some of, sort of official line. But you know, in fairness, she did say that because this review is still ongoing at the WRU, um, they are going to be making certain decisions about the elite pathway post review. So, what she can tell us is that there's been a t- 20% growth in player registrations across the female game from 20, for 21-22 compared to 29-20, so pre-pandemic. In regards to female hubs, there are 34 around Wales. And the WIU say they are proving to be sustainable models for nurturing players, coaches, referees, volunteers, providing a clear and successful pathway for women and girls. Um, To help restart community rugby in Wales, we are currently going through a recruitment process to increase staffing, including additional specific roles to grow the female game. We will be running an eight-week programme of female skills development centres from under-12s to under-18s around Wales. And this autumn, there will also be a Senior Talent ID Day. So that's all they can tell us at the moment. Like I say, we've got to wait for the results of this review to find out what the, um, the exact pathway will be. So like I mentioned earlier, there's two sides to the coin, right? We've got the community side of the game, mm-hmm. which is all about these numbers and playing, I don't know, rugby fit or whatever they do, rock up and have yeah. a dance with the rugby ball. Um, there's lots of questions about how that's being uh, portrayed as numbers, um, but that's something we'll talk to somebody who's going to know about, not us. We won't just make assumptions. Um, but genuinely, it looks really positive from the community yeah. side of the game, and they keep spinning that narrative. Mm. Um, but it's the performance element of the game we want to know about. And I understand mm. this review is going to take place, which was due end of June. It's now mid-August. Mm. Um, so it looks like from the outside, that's a fob off, let's be honest. Mm. Um, and lots of people think it. Um, so I think as much as they want to keep saying about the numbers and the under 15s and the under 18s, brilliant. We're all for the community game. We're, we'll celebrate that community element of the game. Fantastic. But we want some cold, hard commitment about the pathways, right? The performance element of the game. Mm-hmm. Stop blanketing the game as one. It's two sides, performance, community. We're all about 
holding the WRU to account to that performance element. And I think that's what we've got to keep highlighting. When they come back with community numbers, we push back with what's happening with the performance side of the game. Mm. Yeah, no, it's a good also, point. the community game is only going to get better when they can see what's happening at the elite level. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Is that why I'm getting involved? Why mm. else would they be getting involved? Is it just for a run around with your friends? Is it just for general fitness, something to do, whatever? But mm. it was always to... I'm doing this so I can progress to there to get better to go to year and ideally I'll play for Wales one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And still playing Wales. That's another that's another topic. I think yeah. we'll, we'll I see face that question next next week. I, yeah, I see the Welsh Premiership <laughs> as the performance side of things. It has to be. Mm. It's the highest yeah, it should be, Right, it should be preparing people for regional if we still add them, and then international. So right now, it's it's just you know, if we take away the fact that all our girls are playing in England, that Welsh Prem should be preparing people, our players, to step up to Six Nations. Right, mm-hmm. um, the fact that we just lost Swansea is massive. Shockwaves mm-hmm. through Welsh rugby. Just you know, the repercussions of that I think is quite massive, and I don't mm-hmm. think WRU realise. That's not, that can't be seen as the community element of the game. That's our performance mm-hmm. pathway. So it's no longer, it's like we're trying to build on sand as it is. And now things above the sand are just crumpling. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they replied with, um, to the Swansea tweet or, or their response, they, you know, the, what they published was that, you know, the under 15s and under 18s game is thriving. Swansea never had an under 15s and 18s side. Stop trying to spin it. You can't let's stop mixing community and performance. Mm. It was so sad, wasn't it, to see Swansea go? It's such a big name. Mm. I just think everybody thought Swansea would be safe because yeah. of Swansea Uni. They would mm. have that, um, you know, that pathway, I guess, to go from uni to club. Mm. But COVID has just highlighted the issues that are already there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, again, it's it's a real well, it's a sore topic because I used to play my rugby with most of the Swansea girls, and even though I was never involved with them, it's it is sad to see those who have been there from age grade to seniors, and now they're forced to go either go elsewhere or stop playing completely. Mm, it is sad but this is where we want people to get in touch with us and tell us about new teams that are starting you know tell us if you've had loads more girls signing up tell us if you're now going to expand to an under 18s or an under 15s you know this is where we need to reach out because we're talking about some of the not so positive things we need the good news stories so get in touch with us it's twitter at back the girls pod or instagram back the girl podcast or email us back the girls dot pod at hotmail.com tell us what your ambitions are for the season who are your star players who do we need to be watching out for feel free to invite us down to a club for a beer, maybe. Can we take podcast on? Always. Tour? You know? Beer, let's... beer, beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jingle, yeah. jingle, 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 jingle. <laughs> but please do get in touch. Let us know what you want us. What questions do you want to want us to be asking? What do you want us to be talking about? But more importantly, tell us what you're doing because you're doing really good things and everyone needs to know about it.
And it's the good vibes section. Bit of positivity, spreading the love of the game and the good things that are happening here in Wales that maybe we just don't always get to hear about. So this week, we're going to give a massive shout out to Lantwit Varda Rugby Club because their setup is insane there. Let me just give you some facts, okay, about what this club is offering to people. So they've got 25 teams. It's actually 26 if you count their touch rugby team, okay? They've got more than 600 players, 350 minis, 85 girls who are now we know linked to the club and it's called the Female Rhinos Hub that is linked with Lantwit Varda, okay? They've got 58 women, get this, 14 of which their daughters play for the under doesn't say which age, but I'm guessing like the under 10s or whatever age grade they've got. Wow. 62 senior men and 210 volunteers. They are absolutely kicking it. There's a lovely piece on the WRU website and there's um, a lovely video that we're going to share. So it says, along with the Rhinos female teams, which run from under sevens through to senior rugby, the club also runs mixed teams, sessions for under fives, under six, under 12s, male team from under 13s through to two senior sides. And then this is brilliant, right? They've got so many women, senior women, who have now picked up the game because of the initiative run by them. They have two senior women's teams. They have two. I mean, wow. And when we were playing, we were scraping one senior team in every, you know, in every team you played in, you're almost like we got full subs on the bench, but they've got enough to have two. And um, is, that, they, is that a first? Is that historic? I don't I think I've no ever idea. known of outside of maybe Cardiff Met when it was Ewick. Yeah. Yeah. I have never known a women's club side in Wales have more than one women's team, two yeah. women's teams. Two, two senior women's teams. Um, and there's a lovely bit on the, on the video, actually. They have the captain, Jenna George, who talks about uh, her experience there, how she got into rugby a bit later, but then loved it. And then when her daughter came of age, she sort of got her in and she coaches her. But then all these daughters then get to see their mums on the field, like killing it, playing rugby. And I just, I love that. That's just fantastic, isn't it, you know? Um, so yeah, just massive shout out. They are our good vibes, positivity, exactly what Welsh rugby is all about. Community, support, everyone together, everyone having fun. Oh, and they even talk about the fact that, you know, the girls got to watch the women's Six Nations and they're really encouraging that. So, you know, they're giving a nod to the national team, showing these girls what can be done. Uh, so yeah, just massive, lots of love out for Landwit Varda and Rhino's Female Hub. So that brings us neatly into our segment that Lori's going to head up. It's, um, have we got a jingle yet, Lo? Uh, yeah, it goes jingle, 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 jingle. <laughs> jingle, jingle, jingle. <laughs> Welcome to the best part of this pod, which is what goes on tour comes on the pod. So. We don't want you to take these to your grave anymore. Bring them on the pod and share what's going on in your uh, clubs, villages, towns. Please come on and give us your version of events. 
So what we're looking for is anything you may have come across on the training paddock, in game day, on the bus, any kind of story that's just going to make us smile and laugh and something that you're happy to share with. We don't necessarily need names or, you know, specific details, but just jazz it up, how it happened and share it with the world. Because that's how many listeners were expecting. <laughs> 7 billion or however many is on the world at the moment. But yeah, bring us a story and I'm sure we'll have some sort of poll by the end of the year to see who won that one. So what goes on tour comes on the pod. Let us hear them. And you can share this on our Instagram page, Twitter page, or send them direct to our email, which fills. I think you've got the details of you. Yeah, so you can email in at backthegirls.pod at hotmail.com or yeah, use the direct message on Twitter or Instagram and offload the burden, the secret, <laughs> and tell us. Yeah, and if you do want to put names in, then you know, they are welcome to us as well. <laughs> um, not the bill payers' permission, but the, the person's permission, you know, so... <laughs> <laughs> Let's get these stories in thick and fast so we can share them with you all. All right, guys, that was the first ever podcast dedicated to the Welsh women's game. We've recorded our first Back the Girls pod. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Please do get in touch. Like we said, you can get in touch on Twitter at Back the Girls pod, Instagram, Back the Girls podcast, or email us backthegirls.pod at hotmail.com. And please share this, you know, text your mates, let them know that this is out there. We want to be a pod for everything and anything involved with the women's game in Wales. So please do get in touch. Also, if you can leave us a review, preferably five stars would be awesome. But no, do let us know what's good, what's bad. Be kind. This is our first one. But what you want from us in the future, because we're really excited about this. Uh, really enjoyed it today. Thank you, guys. Thank you for getting up so early on a Sunday morning. And uh, see you next week. Bye. Bye.